This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 257, The Two-Stage Rocket Strategy. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. Glad to have you with me on this rocket ship journey. In fact, have you ever wondered what it's really like to lift off from a launch pad on a massive, massive rocket heading into outer space? Well, one of my favorite astronauts, Chris Hadfield, who retired recently, shared these terrifying reflections. You know, don't worry, I'm going to connect this to your financial life. Indulge me on this for just a minute. So while you're on the launch pad, NASA's space shuttles when they were using the space shuttle, weighed 4.5 million pounds and towered at a height equivalent to the length of two football fields. Imagine that for a minute. And in just eight and a half minutes, the eight and a half minutes that it takes for the shuttle to reach space, it accelerates from zero to 17,500 miles per hour, which is 23 times faster than the speed of sound. 23 times faster. Chris Hadfield writes what it feels like to get into space. And he says, six seconds before launch of the shuttle, the engines start to light. And when the engines light, it it bends the entire rocket. So you actually feel the whole vehicle sway as it begins to light up. As you lift off from ground, you watch the launch pad disappear out the window. And by the time you're up in the air, you're going 100 miles an hour straight up. And you accelerate at this brutal pace, he says. Vibration is so intense and high. It's not like an airliner that just sort of flows through the sky. It's more like, you know, an earthquake in this rocket. And at 45 seconds, he says, you're going faster than the speed of sound straight up. And you're still accelerating. And it's this brutal physical ride as you're shouldering your way through the air. At two minutes, all the solid rocket boosters have done their job. So these huge candlesticks just sort of blow up and fall away from the rocket. And now you're using the liquid drive, the second stage of the rocket, and you're just getting pushed in the air faster and faster and getting pinned heavier and heavier into your seat, like someone's pouring sand on your chest and it's getting harder and harder to breathe. And it lasts for another six minutes and 40 seconds of this steadily increasing weight on your chest. And you're just getting crushed and you're trying to fight for every breath. And then suddenly at eight minutes and 42 seconds, quiet. The gas tank is out of fuel, the engines shut off, and you're just floating weightlessly through space. Now, that's a beautiful picture of what we're going to be covering in our time together today, because while I don't get to have these incredible rocket ship experiences with clients, it is still remarkable getting to sit down and work out financial strategies with clients from all walks of life. Now, having worked with over a thousand clients all around the country and more signing up every day to work with us. Uh, so much so that we're hiring additional financial professionals to work with us. And by the way, reach out to me if you'd like to talk about becoming a financial professional with us and our team. But one of the big concerns that a lot of people have when they come to us is what do they do with these irregular and large, unexpected, maybe lump sums of money? And there are all sorts of folks that might stumble across large sums of cash in their lifetime. It could be for any number of situations that they don't plan on any unexpected, pleasantly large piles of cash in your bank account. You know, maybe it was Aunt Mildred who passed away and she thought fondly of you and left you a large lump sum. 
Maybe it was the sale of your home or real estate property. Maybe it was a settlement, maybe from an old injury. Maybe it was an unexpectedly large tax refund. Uh, who knows? You know, but now that it's in your hot little hands, you want to know what to do with it. And let's say that you have some plans for this money. Let's say for sake of example, you'd like to invest in some real estate, but it could easily be other projects such as renovating your house. Maybe you're paying off a bunch of old debts. Maybe you're buying another car. The point is you have a lump sum and you have a pretty quick immediate need for most or all of that money. You cannot wait for years and years to let that thing grow. And if we had never met, you probably would have likely just taken that lump sum of cash and dumped it into your real estate deal or paid off your debts or bought that new car or whatever it was. But you, as a not-so-average financial revolutionary, have been smartly listening to this podcast, and you've stumbled across the infinite benefits of a bank-on-yourself-designed whole-life policy. You want this money to be best put to use, but you don't want it to be squandered or wasted. You understand that paying cash for things is not the answer, and you're not thrilled with the idea of putting it into the turbulent stock market or the real estate market now that interest rates are rising. Maybe you've come to the conclusion that a bank-on-yourself-designed whole-life policy makes a great deal of sense for this large lump sum. So you reach out to me or one of my colleagues, and we start having a conversation. And after reviewing your full financial situation, we, of course, never make a recommendation without understanding all the puzzle pieces. We determined that a large lump sum relative to what you might be able to save or put pay as premium into a whole-life policy on a monthly basis just won't fit. In other words, the small amount of money relative to the large lump sum that you could save on a monthly basis just won't fit into a true bank-on-yourself-designed single whole-life policy. So you're taken a bit aback from all of this and maybe even a bit disappointed. Let me pause our little story here and just talk about this for a few minutes. I'm going to get a little technical, but I promise this won't take long. You see, life insurance has enjoyed some incredible tax benefits for generations. In fact, as early as we've had an income tax in this country, life insurance has enjoyed a tax-free nature, meaning you can get both principal and gains, if you do it correctly, out of the contract without having to pay income tax or capital gains tax. That's awesome. However, in the 1970s, wealthy investors were seeking to leverage certain tax advantages of this wonderful concept. Guys, remember, bank on yourself designed whole life policies. And whole life insurance has been around for generations. And even clear back to the 1970s, the very wealthy were using cash value whole life insurance to pack away tons of cash. Imagine if you could put in a million dollars as a lump sum into a policy, one lump sum, and let it just grow tax-free forever and have tax-free access to the cash. That's a pretty sweet deal. And remember, interest rates on cash value insurance policies had hit a jaw-dropping 18 to 20% at that stage in the game. In addition, these policies also avoided the kinds of taxes that more traditional investments typically face, like brokerage accounts or IRAs, 401ks when they came on the scene. Because of the way the IRS taxes permanent cash value life insurance has always been favorable. In the 1970s, your cash value grows tax deferred and any withdrawals you make are taken out on a first in, first out basis. This means you can access your money tax-free up to the cash value of the contributions that you've paid for your premiums, but you can also take a tax-free loan against the gains in your cash value and have no taxes due on that either. This was in the 1970s, and in those days, there was not any kind of limit to what you could put in to a policy or how long you had to fund it. So prior to the advent of something called a modified endowment contract, it was possible to invest a large sum of money in a very small permanent life insurance policy 
creating a potentially high-growth tax-sheltered fund. Now, if you're picking up what I'm laying down here, yes, anytime there's a mega loophole like this, Congress is going to step in. And yes, as a result, in 1988, Congress passed the Technical and Miscellaneous Revenue Act, or TAMRA, which instituted this thing called MEC policies, Modified Endowment Contract Policies. The life insurers designed these products that allowed policyholders to accumulate cash that could be withdrawn tax-free. And it was an unbelievable tax shelter. And if you already saw that coming, you can move to the front of the class. The U.S. government saw the practice as a tax shelter. And in the TAMRA Act, mechs were no longer going to be considered a life insurance product if they didn't pass these several tests. Here's the first. One, was the policy issued after June 20th, 1988? Two, uh, did it meet a statutory definition of life insurance, meaning did it have a death benefit? And three, does it meet or fail the seven pay test? So that's the third and, and most important one for our conversation today. Remember, guys, and go back to listen to episode 91 if you want more detail on this, but a MEC contract, a modified endowment contract, is a life insurance policy whose cumulative premiums have exceeded the U.S. federal tax law limits. In other words, the IRS no longer considers the MEC a life insurance contract. Instead, it's actually seen as a specialized vehicle for tax avoidance. Both are fine, both are legal, both are good in many circumstances, but the seven pay test is often something that we run for our clients to make sure their policies are not going to run afoul of that specific test. So what is the seven pay test? Let's talk about that for just a minute more. The TAMRA was put in place to really discourage these 1970 wealthy investors from using life insurance for investment tax-free avoidance. The legislation puts some limits around what you can pay into a life insurance policy over a very specific period of time, specifically a seven-year period of time. All right, so a policy will fail that seven-pay test and trigger a MEC if the policyholder pays premiums in excess of what's needed for the policy to be paid up in seven years. Let me say that a slightly different way. The seven-pay test is generally only used in the first seven years to calculate how much have you paid in premium. And how big a death benefit does your policy have? If it's too small, if that death benefit is too small or you didn't fund it for seven years at least, then they can sometimes call that a MEC policy. Now, there are a number of ways you don't have to actually pay out of pocket for seven years. Go back and listen to episode 203 for more details there. But that is the basic definition of the seven pay test. What are the tax implications of a MEC policy? Well, again, I don't want to go too far down this road today. You can go listen to episode 91 for more on this. But with a MEC, you lose some of the tax-favorable treatment you'd otherwise enjoy when you make a cash value withdrawal or take a loan from your policy. Let's just keep it at that for today's conversation. But again, go back and listen to episode 91 if you want more details on that. Now, for anybody here listening, maybe you're freaking out, thinking maybe you've accidentally triggered a MEC contract in your life insurance policy. Good news. You should not be surprised by a MEC designation on your life insurance. Life insurance companies typically don't want you unhappy with them, and they don't want you to accidentally trigger MEC without you realizing it. So they will regularly perform MEC tests on a monthly basis in most cases. This allows the insurance company to alert you, the policyholder, that you packed in too much money into your policy. All right, so it's not something you're having to really track. They'll typically do it for you. They'll even refund you the money if you send too much money to them. Strange to say, but yes, the insurance company will actually refund you if you send them too much. In addition, the government offers a 60 days sort of grace period to refund any of that cash and avoid that mech trigger. 
So even if there's an accidental overage, your insurer has two months to return that money to you so that it won't become a mech on accident. Now, also, I just want to say again, for a lot of people we work with, the mech policies are good. They actually do them on purpose. There's some really beneficial advantages to having a mech policy. And we're going to get into that in today's episode. That's what the two-stage rocket strategy is all about. So enough about tax law. Guys, we've talked about launching into space and tax law in the first five minutes here. So good on you if you're still with me. Let's get into some of how we can use this concept of the mech to your advantage. Remember, you're sitting on a giant pile of cash and you're not sure what to do with it. In our story here, you love the idea of bank on yourself. And as you recall, want to do something with it pretty well right away. You might want to buy some real estate or, or whatever, but you do understand the power of bank on yourself. So you want to put that money into a policy first and then buy the real estate deal. But the trouble is the numbers you seem to indicate you're going to need for that real estate deal is essentially all of your money equal to the lump sum. It's amazing how many times, as soon as you get a windfall, there's an expense waiting for you to spend it. Just, you know, look at that Christmas bonus every year and instantly there's a flat tire waiting for you to spend it on that flat tire. Well, the same is true when you get a large lump sum. It's instantly going to oftentimes go toward a real estate deal or a car that needs to be replaced or what have you. So let's say that you have a lump sum of $100,000. And let's say your real estate deal that you'd like to get is like 90000 bucks. All right. So basically all of your lump sum that you just got from Dear Aunt Mildred or whatever. Your big question here is, should I do a single premium whole life policy and have a mech policy? Or are there disadvantages to that? And should I just get a regular recurring premium policy? So side note, and again, go back to episode 91 for more here, but virtually all 99% of all single premium whole life policies are mech policies. They don't meet that seven pay test because it's a one-time lump sum. And the other alternative if you don't want a mech policy is to have a recurring premium policy. This could be monthly, you're throwing 500 bucks a month in or 50 grand a year in or whatever. And that's fine too. And that would be a non-mech policy. So your big question here is, should I do mech or non-mech? That is the question. Now, in short, generally speaking, if we can swing it, I think you'd typically be happier, lifelong happier with a non-mech policy. A lifetime of tax-free access to your cash value, plus a wonderful parking space to park future windfalls, is an excellent arrangement. Guys, realize I don't believe that this is the last time you're ever going to get a pay raise or a windfall. So we need regular spaces to park cash, and a single premium policy literally will not allow you to add more money to it. It'll allow you to borrow against it. It'll allow you to pay off your loans but it won't let you add more premium to a single premium policy. It's right in the name there. So a recurring premium policy is the general way we try to go with most of our clients. So most of the time, we only look at MEC policies for clients if they are literally not going to have any more profits or windfalls in the future. MEC policies are great for folks who have saved up a lump sum and are over age 55 and don't expect future windfalls. Those are incredible. Single premium policies are wonderful for the folks in that situation. And yes, I said you can get a life insurance policy over age 55. So yeah, don't think that if you're 60, 65, 70 years old, that you're too old for bank on yourself. You absolutely are not. We can actually start applications on folks as young as 85 years young. So just keep that in mind as you're thinking about these strategies for yourself, for your family members. 
Now, I mentioned that typically you're going to be happier with a non-MEC policy, but does that mean we need to avoid the MEC at all costs? No, definitely not. The MEC can serve a purpose as well. MECs, for example, these single premium policies, these MEC policies are incredibly liquid. They'll give you 90 to 92% of your premium available as cash value, typically within 30 days. And you can borrow 90% of that wonderfully liquid cash value. So if you need close to every penny as possible for investing or debt payoff or other purposes right away, then go with the MEC policy and go without abandon. If, on the other hand, you'd like that parking space for your business proceeds for years to come and want tax-free access to cash for years, then go for the non-MEC policy. Non-MEC policies generally take longer to break even, and you lose some of your purchasing power in the first few years. As mentioned, the single premium policy, you might have 90 to 92% of your cash right away. With a recurring premium policy, it might be somewhere between 65 and 80% of your cash that you've put into the policy in the first year. So not 90 to 92%. Uh, so that'll be far and away the most efficient way to get access to your money is to put it into a single premium policy. But a recurring premium policy is going to be more efficient over the long term as another parking space for additional cash. So a lot of folks get stuck here and they say, well, Mark, what do I do? Non-MEC, MEC, that is the question. There is another option, which is to do both. And I call this the two-stage rocket strategy. Why do we have to choose between MEC and non-MEC? Well, let's do both and let's use a two-stage rocket. Here's how it works. You could have half of your lump sum go into a single premium policy and simultaneously, you can spread out the other half of your lump sum into a non-MEC recurring premium policy. Uh, this works like a two-stage rocket. The policy, the single premium policy, is highly liquid, and it gives you an immediate jolt, a boost to get you off the launch pad. And you would use that single premium policy right away, like within the first 30 days, first year, first two years, first three years. There are no taxes due until there are gains, which is around the end of the third year with these single premium policies. So single premium policies can break even somewhere around the end of year three. So in the first three years, you borrow from that policy and there's not going to be any taxes due since you're only taxed on gains with single premium policies. Okay, I hope I've made that clear. Now at that point, remember, you've also been funding your second stage rocket, the recurring premium. So that policy, the recurring premium non-MEC policy around year four, let's say, becomes your main rocket thruster to get you not just off the launch pad, but now you're in the air and you're going to be launched into the stratosphere. So that is the two-stage rocket strategy. The single premium policy at year four, now taxable. And it's not as advantageous for you to use. But thankfully, you've been funding your recurring premium policy all along the way. You've been lifting off with your initial rocket, the single premium policy, and you've been borrowing from that, investing in real estate, paying off debts, and really just working that one really hard. And then in year four, let's say, you start to use your recurring premium policy if you need new loans. It's built up now enough fuel, enough cash value for you to switch over to your recurring premium policy. That's the second stage of your rocket. And you might use that recurring premium policy now as your main workhorse policy for the years and decades to come. The first stage of your rocket, the single premium mech, is now mostly spent. You've maybe got a big loan against it. Uh, you've made that initial lump sum funding and you took a major loan against it, maybe. 
and now you're in year four and you're merely paying the loan down on the MEC policy. There's no taxes due on that transaction at that point. You know, you're simply just paying off the policy loan on your own pace at your own schedule. And there are no taxes due on MEC policies and until and unless you take any new loans or withdrawals at the point when you have gains. That's, a you know, again, in year four, let's say. So let me say that again. There's no taxable event each year on a MEC policy. You're only taxed if you take new withdrawals or loans and only taxed on the gains. You're not taxed on all of the money you take out of a MEC, just on the gains part. Uh, which for MEC policies, again, is around year three or year four or so. Until then, there's no taxable event for taking loans or withdrawals. So while the gains remain inside your life insurance contract, let's say in year five and six and seven, you're just paying off your loan at that point on the single premium policy. Everything is in a tax-deferred state inside that MEC policy, and there are no taxable events to you. So if your only loan, let's say, was in the first two or three years, and you spent the rest of your life either paying off that MEC policy loan or simply letting the MEC policy grow with guarantees, again, there would be no taxable event. And maybe most importantly, if you pass away in the future, the life insurance death benefit on a MEC policy would be left to your family income tax-free. So this absolutely floors me. You can have a MEC policy with no taxes due if you follow the two-stage rocket strategy, all right? And that sure beats your CDs, which would otherwise have been taxing you every single year, your savings accounts or your brokerage accounts. There'd be taxes due on all of those accounts. But if you use a MEC policy, and in the way I described with a two-stage rocket, yeah, there'd be no taxes due for the rest of your life under the current tax law. So what is the catch? What is the catch? There's always a downside, right? So the downside to the two-stage rocket idea is that now half your money is in a single premium policy and is not gonna be efficiently available for loans after about year four. So maybe that's not the best long-term for some of your money, which is now locked in that single premium. But remember, the goal was to get you into space. And the first half of your rocket got you off the launch pad, paid off the debt, invested in the real estate, sent your kid to college, whatever it was. And now your second stage rocket, which was funded with the other half of your lump sum, is really your hard working, get you into space kind of rocket. Now, guys, there have been a number of clients that have used this particular strategy, the two-stage rocket strategy, to revolutionize their financial life. One client was struggling with a large amount of debt. He was paying almost $1,000 a month on all of his debts, which totaled a little over 50,000 bucks. He got a large lump sum of $75,000 from the sale of his old house. He decided to put that 75,000 bucks into bank on yourself, but he didn't like the idea of all of it going into a mech type policy, but he couldn't do a recurring premium at $75,000 a year. He just couldn't afford that. So what was he going to do? So we chose the two-stage rocket strategy. We put 60,000 bucks of his 75,000 into a single premium whole life policy, a mech policy, and we immediately borrowed out 50,000 bucks to pay off all of his debts. This was the first stage of his rocket. He paid no taxes to borrow that money out since there were not yet gains in his policy. And he simultaneously put the other 15,000 of his 75,000 into a recurring premium policy. All right, so 60 grand went into the single premium, 15,000 went into a recurring premium non-MEC policy. That was the second stage of his rocket. So this was his only payment for the year 
that 15 grand was all he took. So for the next 12 months, he had no premiums to pay. So after paying off all of his debts with the life insurance, the MEC policy, he then aggressively paid down his policy loan to his single premium MEC policy. If you recall, he was paying $1,000 a month on all of his debt. And he had just wiped all his debt out with the MEC policy. Now he just bought back his debt from all of his creditors. So he continued that $1,000 a month of paying. But now instead of to the credit cards and other snakes and banks, he's now paying 1000 bucks a month to repay his policy loan. Essentially, guys, he bought back all of his debts from his creditors. And now he is truly banking on himself. Wow. Now, after 12 months, he's, his recurring premium is now due. Remember, the second stage rocket had a recurring premium of $15,000 a year. Where in the world would he come up with $15,000? Good news. He was paying $1,000 a month on all of his debts that he redirected toward his policy, to his single premium policy. And if you recall, when you're the banker, you get to control the repayment terms on a policy loan. And also policy premiums on recurring policies, okay? So the non-MEC policy is stage two rocket. They are very flexible. The premiums are very flexible. So a large portion of the premium is going into a rider called a paid up additions rider, which is totally optional. You can raise that, you can lower that. And if you want to hear more about what is the paid up additions rider and what makes it so special for bank on yourself policies, I really recommend you guys go back and listen to episode 142, 142. So back to our story, this guy simply drops his policy loan repayment on stage one's rocket to 200 bucks a month from 1000 bucks down to 200 bucks a month. And he simply takes that money, that 800 bucks that he's freed up there, and starts to pay that toward his stage two rocket, his monthly premiums. Instead of it being 15 grand a year, he's just going to throw 800 bucks a month toward his stage two rocket. And as he gets pay raises and job changes and whatnot and other windfalls, he can make additional changes to his uh, stage one loan repayment and his stage two policy premium. Maybe he gets a few pay raises over his lifetime. Hopefully that does happen, right? And he can raise his premium from 800 bucks a month back up to 15 grand a year or whatever, 1250 a month if he wants to keep paying monthly. And he can even pay more aggressively toward his policy loan that he took against his MEC policy as well. So by the time he gets his MEC policy totally paid off, this is really cool. Come back to me if this is, I know there's a lot of numbers on a podcast, but come back to me and listen to this part. This is huge. His cash value has grown to $180,000 in his single premium policy, stage one of his rocket grew to 180 grand. He put in 60 grand. It's now 180 grand. And his death benefit is now 350,000 bucks. His recurring premium policy has almost $600,000 of cash value and a death benefit of over $1 million. So he's loving that. He's ready to retire. He decides he'd like to pull the money from these policies, but which one should he choose? If he takes money from stage one rocket, the MEC single premium policy that he used to pay off his debts all those years ago, he'd be taxed on some gains. But if he pulls money from his recurring premium policy, the withdrawals and the access even to the gains in the contract through policy loans would have no tax implications, no taxes due, and he can enjoy a tax-free income in his retirement. Now, because he has the backstop of his taxable MEC policy, stage one rocket, he feels very comfortable aggressively spending down the non-taxable non-MEC policy, the stage two rocket. So he spends that down to right just down to the bare bones, so just a few dollars left in cash value when he passes away. And the remaining death benefit of stage 
2's rocket will be just a mere 100,000 bucks. But the mech policy stage one rocket had a mega death benefit. It'll now have an additional $500,000 in death benefit proceeds to him and his family. Guys, that's 600,000 bucks of tax-free death benefits, not to mention all the years he took money out for tax-free income in his retirement. Oh, and by the way, if he had needed any chronic care or home health care in a nursing home, let's say, both policies would give him access to a large portion of that death benefit, again, with no taxes due, through a little-known writer that I and my colleagues all make sure to add to our policies for our clients. It's an incredible additional benefit to using the two-stage rocket strategy. So this is an incredible story and an incredible client and a great guy, by the way. And this is a, an incredible way to pay off your debts, invest in real estate, pay for your children's college. The two-stage rocket can really get you into the financial stratosphere and take you on a long distance journey to worlds unknown. Now, if you'd like help setting up a policy or portfolio of policies that help you accomplish some of these goals similar to this example, let's set a time up on the calendar. And I'd love to sit down and chat with you. I promise to give you a clear answer. If this strategy is a good fit, or if it's not a good fit, I'd rather be clear with you up front. And as always, we promise to be clear and transparent with both the pros and the cons of making any financial decision. That's just better for you. It's better for our business too. So be honored to sit down and think through questions and strategy with you. Thanks for taking that rocket ship to the moon with me today, guys. I appreciate that. And I know it was a lot of numbers. So go back and listen to this one again, write them out if you want. But there are some incredible, powerful tools here. And if you just think about things the way everyone wants you to, you're not going to find these creative solutions. As we wrap up, I wanted to just mention that, hey, the best way to get this into the hands of people who need to hear this information is really just literally to share it, to hit the share button. I've learned that five-star reviews are incredibly meaningful for me and my team. It keeps us motivated and we love and read every single one. And even better than a five-star review is to share it with a friend. Actually sharing this content with a friend, hitting the share button, more people I've been told find podcasts because of a friend who recommended it than by any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app or email this link or whatever you're using here to listen to this show and send this episode directly to a friend right now while you're thinking about it. If you do that, if you let us know, we'll happily send you a copy of a book from our library here free of charge. If you're in the United States, we'll make sure you get a copy of it somehow, even if you're outside the United States. I would love to know that you're sharing this with friends. Send us a screenshot of that share if you want to, or just let us know that you did it. And I'd be happy to get a book to you free of charge. Thank you again for riding to the moon with me and back today, guys. It's been a great pleasure as always to get to share some of this content with you. There's so much more to do, uh, and I can't wait to be on that journey with you guys. So again, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your rockets, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.